Hello and welcome to Listen Carefully. I'm your host Nathan Jolly and my guest today is Bob Evans who has released six records and for those counting at home that's one more than Jebediah has released. If you came here looking for Jebediah chat then you'll want to check out the episode I released yesterday with Kevin Mitchell. You'll find plenty of it there. This episode is all about the Bob Evans discography. Enjoy! So you started this project with Friday Come Five, which was a completely different sounding song to what you'd done beforehand. Yeah. I assume that was on purpose, and I assume the Mm. fact that you called it Bob Evans rather than Kevin Mitchell was on purpose. Yeah. What was the reasoning behind the clear delineation? Well, I was determined that I wasn't going to ride on the coattails of Jebediah's success. I mean, I wanted to... I wanted to do solo stuff. I was writing, I was always writing songs on my acoustic at home that were never really meant for Jebediah or write for Jebediah. And um, and Jebediah had become, you know, really well known and popular, and um, and it was something that I'd done with my th- my brother and my two best mates. And so I was really just determined. It was like, well, if, I, if I'm going to pursue this solo thing, I'm I don't want it ever for it to be perceived by my bandmates or anybody. That I'm gets cashing in on the, the the band's success for myself, you know. Uh, I don't want anybody to ever to ever think that. So I'll you know I just I'll just do whatever I can to um stop that from happening. So you know, giving myself a name and and never drawing any any uh, references or anything to Jebediah for a long, long time, many, many years uh, was 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 a really, you know, effective way of doing that. Because for, yeah, for the first, because I probably started doing solo gigs as early as 98, pretty soon after Odd Wave. Right. But I was doing them for years in Perth without anybody really knowing. I mean, it would be there on the gig guide. Tuesday night, drove in the front room, a bunch of bands, and the opener's some, a person named Bob Evans. And mm-hmm. I never, you know, we just, it was just kept secret. And there'd be like, there were always like the hardcore fans that knew about it, obviously, because they would know about everything. But it was mostly just my friends and housemates and family and stuff that would come to those gigs for, for years. Um, and, yeah, Friday Come Five, you know, it is a really different sounding song. I think I was like, by the time I was confident enough to actually make a record in the studio, which wasn't until 2003, I'd been doing it for a while, before I felt like I was, you know, I had enough good songs to make a record and, and yeah, Friday Come Five, I think it's just a really good example of just the kind of thing that there was no way that Jebediah were ever going to do, you know. There's no point in even bringing it, in, bringing it to the room because, um, and, and you know, by that stage, I'm in my, I'm well and truly into, in my 20s, mid, I'm mid-20s by this stage. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm discovering like soul music and hip-hop and, you know, music from the sixties and the seventies and country music. I mean, like, you know, I I was my my musical my musical horizon had really changed a lot since I was seventeen and or eighteen and starting Jebediah, where you know, pretty much I ex- only exclusively listened to rock and roll music that was happening at that time. You know? Yeah, <laughs> didn't listen to anything else. <laughs> if it wasn't current and it wasn't rock and roll, I didn't listen to it. No, Dookie was from 94, though. That's a classic. That was a few years old by that time. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, okay, so I pretty much only <laughs> listened to music that was made between 1990 and 
and the year that it was <laughs> whenever they, but yeah i mean just very you know it was narrow narrow tastes and yeah as you get older you just start discovering and going out looking for more and more stuff so you know bob evans was really by the time i got to making records you know i really saw bob evans as a way that i could just i could do whatever i wanted you know i could make any kind of music i wanted i could experiment in any style of music like literally any style of music i wanted to or i could start you you know i was really i love stevie i think friday come five was you know stevie wonder was a big influence on that song you know and i was just like i it just gave me this place where i could just try things out and and i could yeah just bring if i was really into you know aretha franklin and stevie wonder and you know i wanted to try and see if i could write a like a soul song from a 60s soul song then like i could do it with bob um that, that was really where the joy and the inspiration for bob was was just like you know and by the time i got to the second album i really started to get that feeling of like it was kind of like starting all over again musically felt like i yeah i had a bit of a um revelation i think in my late 20s going into that second bob record that like i could actually really i could write songs and create sounds that were kind of like at a how do i say this um stuff i could do stuff that i didn't think that i could ever do right you mean you in know, a band format or just just generally just you? generally you know and i was writing these demos and getting really excited and just thinking because i thought they were really really good and i thought they were at a level that i a few years previous to that i didn't i didn't think I, that i could do so i felt like i was kind of reaching a i was i was in a creatively i felt like i was at at a high point you know yeah and that second album is kind of very well crafted and you mentioned you did demos for it mm. how long was the kind of writing demo in recording period for that about two years because you crossed over to a major by that time as well hadn't you was there more kind of was there any label pressure at all no no again you know it's john o'donnell who'd signed jebediah to murmur he was now at emi oh yeah of course yeah he was the... i'd stayed in touch with him and you know, I sent him demos, you know, I sent him Braxton Hicks demos and with Jebediah and always kind of kept him in the loop of what we were doing just because he was a friend and and he was a, an opinion that I cared about, I looked looked for. Um, And it just so happened, yeah, I sent him the demos for these and he, I just remember him emailing, emailing me back straight away saying, we need to make a record. Um, <laughs> That's cool. So which was kind of like my, I, you know, I, up until that point, it had just been me and my partner, you know, she was the only one that was hearing what I was doing, but we were, and we were both so excited. We were both like, this, this sounds really good. You know, I really both felt like there was some bit of something quite kind of magic going on. And, and yeah, but I guess, uh, uh, you know, when O'Donnell kind of sent that email back, that's when I thought, oh, wow. Okay. Um, it's not just me. Other people can hear this too. And, and also too, it was a bit of a lifeline too, because Jeb's, you know, after Braxton Hicks and, 2005 we decided we were going to take take a break and go on hiatus and you know the guys found jobs i mean the other guys were sort of chris was working casually at a record store and brett was working casually at a drum shop and stuff so they were those guys always kind of had little kind of extra gigs here and there but but really the band had been a full-time thing for us for 10 years and 
you know, there were moments at around about that time in my life, you know, I was in my late 20s where I was kind of thinking, oh, just maybe, maybe that's it, you know. Had the success with Jebediah. That's kind of starting to wane now. You know, maybe that's maybe that's maybe my I've ridden my wave onto the shore and um <laughs> that's as good as it's ever gonna get. Um and I don't think I ever I think I wouldn't say I was ever gonna quit music because I would I I, I doubt whether I ever would have stopped writing songs because I was still loving it so much. But maybe quitting the dream of it being a career. That's the closest I've ever got to kind of going, oh, you know, I, I maybe I, I might have to um, get a real job now or face up to real life now. So, um, so that Bob record just changed everything. You know, all of a sudden I was back on a major label that was sending me to Nashville, you know, and then I made this record that I thought was the best thing I'd ever done in my life. And sure enough, the, the year later when it came out, it, it, it was successful almost immediately. And, from the first song and I was off and away again. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was, in, it was amazing for things to turn around like that, you know? Uh, yeah. After coming off a time where I was just like, mm, this could be it, you know, it could be all over. And how did the idea of like the suburban trilogy happen? Was that just kind of one record at a time? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I've, I was really, you know, the, Obviously, the first record was called Suburban Kid and then Suburban Songbook. And at that time, you know, I, was, I was really into the, I was really into the streets, Mike Skinner. And yeah, and I was really into like this idea of, um, yeah, like, like what, what the streets were doing in, in those first couple of records of like, and I guess you and I kind of were doing this a little bit around Owly Daily, which I love. And the idea of sort of just writing about, very everyday suburban things and but but like setting it in like making giving it a kind of almost a fairy tale kind of quality or like you know making it sound kind of magical and um fantastic or yeah there was just something about that aesthetic that really really appealed to me um and also too i was really drawn to this idea of just presenting myself even though you know which is weird because i gave myself another name and all that so i was kind of I'd created this disguise for myself, but I was also really drawn to to writing really honestly. Like yeah. a lot of Jebediah, early Jebediah songs, you know, there was, you know, obviously there was a lot of honesty. A song like Harpoon's pretty honest, but then there's other songs that are just kind of stream of conscious kind of stuff, you know, yeah, like Puck Defender or whatever. So, yeah, I, was, I guess I was just kind of starting to get excited about the idea, the idea of like, you know, writing something about that was very descriptive or specific about my, you know, my real life in a way that I hadn't really done before. And then the way that I could hear other people doing that, I thought, okay, well, if they can do it, maybe there's a way that I can do it in my own individual way, you know? Um, so yeah, it was a really different way of kind of thinking. I was thinking really differently about things. And I also too remember going in around about that time, my late twenties, I remember distinctly kind of listening to the Beatles and Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys and, and having this realisation of like, oh, I'm at an age where I need to write my fucking, I need to have, you know, need to write my, I don't know what the right word to use is. Write your Pet Sounds, yeah. My opus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just sort of like, 
I need to kind of do something. If, if I, if I think that I'm capable of doing something great, I need to do something great now, you know, like, uh, and again, it was probably just even just a creative idea more than just more than a actual me actually thinking, Oh, I need to fucking, you know, make my masterpiece and, and take my rightful place in the, (laughs) (laughs) you know, in the lineage of Leonard and McCarthy and Brian Wilson. I, I was, I don't think, I had any illusions about that. I think it was more just a way of thinking creatively of like, oh, you know, I'm I'm not a kid anymore. And yeah, I guess I've just thought got to be, take some chances and be adventurous and, and really kind of throw myself into my art. And, you know, so yeah, I was, there was a lot of that. I was thinking about a lot of things differently around about that time than I had done before. And I think that all kind of helped make those that, those next sort of couple of Bob Evans records, you know. And then, yeah, sorry, the trilogy thing. And So then by the, the only reason it was a trilogy is by the time I got to making the third record, I was like, okay, I've, I've mined, I've done this suburban thing, I've mined this thing as far as it can go. After Once I'd finished writing the songs for Goodnight Bull Creek, I knew it was like, okay, I've made three records that are all kind of mining the same things thematically. They're all sort of suburban-y, love songs you know and i was like that's this is it this is the last time i do this and so that's why i called it goodnight bull creek and i told people that it was a trilogy just because i thought that might that sounded fun and it wraps it up nicely yeah yeah really it was just my way of kind of going okay that the next time i make a bob record it's all gonna well actually i i put a bit of space there and i we we made kosciuszko next uh before i made another bob evans record after goodnight bull creek so um yeah, you know, clearly I w- I'd reached a point after that record where it was just like, I need to do something different. Jebediah, come back to Jebediah and give myself a bit of time for the next Bob record to figure out what I want to do. Yeah, because with the next Jebediah record, you'll catch up to Bob Evans in terms of albums. Like there's six Bob Evans albums and five Jeb's albums. So you've yeah. actually lapped yourself there. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, I lost track. Um, so Kosciuszko was our fifth album. Um, so going into Kosciuszko, we've done four Jebediah records and four Bob records, I think. And three Bob records you'd done by that point. Ah, oh, just three. And then okay. Familiar, Stranger, Kaboot. Oh, okay, that was a Tomorrowland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, you know, it's yeah. good when you lose when you lose track, when you lose count. Yeah, it's good too. <laughs> it's a good feeling. Not like age. I mean, when you lose count of how old you are, that's not good because it just means you're getting fucking old. But uh, when yeah. you lose track of how many records you've made, that's a good feeling. It's like, yeah. oh, you know. That means you're prolific. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know. Um, how was Tomorrowland to make? That's quite a well-produced, well thought out well at least from the yeah. outside record yeah it was great um we because i i went into that record and i demoed that record you know pretty hard like i demo all my records pretty hard all my bob records and i was really i felt like i had a really solid group of songs i was really happy with the, my lyric writing at that time i find with the, the lyric writing over the course of my life you know it really goes up i, I when i look back and sort of critically at it it really kind of there i go through phases where where i'm finding that i can write really well and then other times where it's just really really hard anyway tomorrowland i felt like i'd 
I, I hit a bit of a purple patch. Um, and I'd also, and I also had this vision of, of the kind of record I wanted to make and which was different to anything I'd done before. And, and so we, you know, I was like, I wanted to record live. I've never done that before. And so, you know, all the bed tracks, you know, the drums, the bass, guitars, the keyboards, pianos were all done in six days live, you know, wow. in a room. I'd never worked so fast before, you know, but it was cool because it was like I'd never had the confidence to do that before. I, you know, I mean, I, those records I made in Nashville, I was in the studio for a month making those records. And that wasn't even including the mixing. That was just the recording. Um, that wasn't me farting, by the way. That was just a leather chair. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like I saw that. Good to um, clear that up. <laughs> um, uh, so, so, yeah, to... To kind of reach that point where I'd made, you know, I was at an age and a level of experience where I really backed myself, but also too, I got in incredible players who I had confidence in and were able to really deliver. So, so yeah, the whole record was all wrapped up in a couple of weeks. Uh, we went after those six days. We took one day off, and then I did another six days just uh, overdubs and vocals um, and record made. And it's a, my favorite, you know. I guess the Tomorrowland and Suburban Songbook are my two favorite Bob records. And if I, they're the two records that I would be the most inclined to go back and listen to again, you know? So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of the record, but unfortunately, you know, that talking about going back again to the, the, the sort of the way that, you know, records are these sort of um, like street signs. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the COVID album, you know, that's the record. <laughs> yeah. that, even though I didn't write it about COVID, it was written pre-COVID. COVID started to happen in Australia while we we're in the studio. And two weeks after we walked out of the studio, we were in lockdown here in Melbourne. And the, you know, the world changed and 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 stayed that way for a good couple of years. So um, so the album was released in that during that time. And all the visual elements to the to the singles were all made during COVID. So so yeah, so that record kind of carries with it that that sort of COVID experience a bit. But um, but yeah, I, I really, I really I'm, I'm so happy with how that record turned out. And I, I guess I'm a little bit sad that, you know, that COVID stopped me from being able to really perform it very much and promote it very much. You know, it just sort of you know, came out and I think I've, I've played, a, my tour started. I did the first, I did the New South Wales run of the tour and then we went back into a lockdown and it took me 12 months to make it through all the, to get to the other places and Jeez. didn't do any kind of regional tour. Yeah, it was just like, and couldn't really promote it. You couldn't go to radio stations. You couldn't, you like, all the natural things that you would do to make, you know, promote a record had gone. And yeah. so, yeah, that that's, I feel like, I, I feel like the record deserved better than that. And where are you at with Bob Evans in terms of, like, song gathering, recording? Do you have another record on the boil or has it just been all Jebediah since then? Um, no, I mean, Jebediah definitely... You know, funnily enough, I, you know, Tomorrowland was supposed to, um, you know, this, the new Jebediah stuff was supposed to come out first and then Tomorrowland, but um, Jebediah took so long that Tomorrowland thing ended up happening way before, as it turns out. But um, but no, I'm I'm writing, I'm always writing, um, and I'm starting to kind of put together a bit of a get a bit of a vision for what the next record could be, um, which I think is going to be sort of next step from Tomorrowland really like kind of taking what I taking what I loved about Tomorrowland and and as a starting point and then going in a 
in a specific direction from there. So, so yeah, I'm starting to kind of figure out what that, what that might be and how that might sound. And, um, and yeah, as soon as once, um, all this Jeb stuff is, um, I'm, I want to devote myself to Jebediah for the next sort of 12 months. Yeah. Um, pretty much. Is it obvious to you when you're writing a song, oh, this is clearly Jebediah, this is clearly Bob, or do you sit down with that in mind before you start writing? How does that work? Yeah, it's it's pretty obvious. There's only really been a handful of times over the course of nearly 20 years, or I mean nearly 30 years, sorry, where I've been in two minds for a short amount of time. There's actually a song on Tomorrowland, the last Bob record that we were talking about, that... um that could have been a Jebediah song or could have made it to the Jebediah writing room. It may not have, you know, many a, <laughs> many a song has gone to the Jebediah room and, and not made it out. Which song is that that you're referring to from Tomorrowland? Um, it is a song called Falling. Yeah, right. Um, it kind of really stands out on Tomorrowland. As, it, it almost didn't, I almost didn't put it on the record because I felt like it didn't really fit. And Yeah, it could have easily been a Jeb song. Um would have sounded different, but the you know, but the actual kind of structure, the the, the bare bones of the song, could easily have been Jebediah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's really obvious to me, and you know, most of the time when I'm writing by myself, I'd say sort of eighty percent of the time when I'm writing by myself, it's it's for Bob. Yeah, you know, um, in the old when I first started, you know, Bob didn't exist, I suppose. So you know, um, I was writing always writing for, you know, Jeb, rock and roll songs for Jebs. And, you know, like I said before, we wrote a lot of songs. A lot of our songs come from jams and stuff. And I can't take credit for, you know, all of them, that's for sure. But, yeah, I mean, these days now, I mean, pretty much all my writing is is for Bob. Um, and like I said, the last Jebediah record, I didn't bring a single idea into it. <laughs> you know? That's great, yeah. Um, it was all just made up on the spot. Um, which is, uh, you know, really exciting. You mentioned you were doing Bob gigs since around 98. What's the oldest Bob song that appeared on a record? That's appeared on a record? Oh, well, it would be A Suburban Kid. Um, uh, uh, maybe a song Maybe there's a song called Stevie's Song, maybe that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was pretty old. I remember before I made Suburban Kid, we were doing demos for the third Jeb's album and everyone had left the studio. And so I recorded a couple of Bob songs yeah. um, that never made it anywhere. It was a song called Fullback and there's another song called Someone Else. Someone Else was a real Tim Rogers kind of inspired song. You know, it sounds like, and it sounds like it, you know, it sounds like one of <laughs> those, those early Tim Rogers solo songs. And then Fullback was like a, more almost like a folk implosion song or something or and more of a sort of american kind of indie yeah you know indie song um but you know yeah it was called fullback and you know i was referencing the fact that when i was a kid i used to play i i was always put in the fullback position and i resented it because you know <laughs> i wanted to be kicking goals and getting all the glory um but yeah so those those are kind of the early and they were never released but um I still remember, kind of remember them, and I'm sure I've got they, I've, I've, they're probably in a drawer right in front of me, and on a on a cassette somewhere, and maybe one day I'll pull them out, and put them up somewhere. But um, but yeah, even when I think about that, you know, that fullback, it's an example of kind of this kind of thing I was talking about before. But 
you know, about like making references that were sort of very real and and yeah. not not cool, you know, <laughs> yeah. but really owning. Yeah, I was really excited about that idea of just like really owning the real the reality. That's why it's just so it's ironic that you know I did it in disguise. <laughs> but like Michael Dwyer said very poetically, yeah. many many years ago in an article, he uh, sort of quoted Oscar Wilde. Yeah. Something about to give a man a mask and he will reveal his true self. That it's it's something along those lines. I don't yeah. I'm I'm I haven't read much Oscar Wilde, to be honest. Michael Dwyer's far more learned than I am, but um but I loved it because it was perfect. It was perfect. I just thought, yeah, got it in one. You know, Oscar Wilde was right. Um that's exactly what I'm doing <laughs> with Bob. <laughs> it's exactly what I'm doing. I gave myself a mask. And in the process, I allowed myself to reveal so much more of myself. And that was Bob Evans. And if you're a fan of his particular type of music, go back and listen to the last episode, which was all about Jebediah. My guest next week is Darren Cross from Girling. Until then...